my goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hello, divas. I am so excited for us to reconnect. And we are here for another Masterclass episode with my friend and the amazing Jenny Bank. So let me tell you a little bit about Jenny. Jenny Bank was born in Johannesburg, South Africa, grew up in Binghamton, New York, and studied at the Peabody Conservatory. She's worked with Seattle Opera, Opera Theater of St. Louis, Chicago Lyric Opera, New York City Opera, Anchorage Opera, Opera Delaware, Des Moines Metro Opera, Florentine Opera, Wolf Trap Opera, Tri-Cities Opera. <sighs> right, hold on, I'm only halfway through this list. Knoxville Opera, Hawaii Opera Theater, Bard Summer Music Festival, Ashlawn Opera, Amarillo Opera, Baltimore Concert Opera, Annapolis Opera, Mid-American Productions at Carnegie Hall, Alabama Symphony Orchestra, Royal Stockholm Film Philharmonic, the Bergen Philharmonic, Seoul Philharmonic, Los Angeles Philharmonic, and the BBC Symphony Orchestra. Oh lord, friends, this is like so fancy. <laughs> so not only has she done that, but Jenny has performed roles in Marriage of Figaro, Ghost of Versailles, Dead Man Walking, Brookback Mountain, Othello, Sweeney Todd, Flying Dutchman, Candide, Il Trovatore, Eugene Onegin, and many more, as well as performed Verdi Requiem, Mozart Requiem, Haydn's Lord Nelson Mass, and Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. She's the leading interpreter of the Duchess in Unsuk Chin's Alice in Wonderland. She created the role of Firdaus Noman in Shalimar the Clown and is featured on the cast recording of that. She's won the Sullivan Foundation Award. She's a Metropolitan Opera Competition semifinalist and is the artistic advisor for Tri-Cities Opera. Jenny is also the analysis operations team lead at the fast-growing tech startup Do What Works and lives in upstate New York with her husband and two adorable dogs. You'll hear all about that, her website, her social handles, all of that towards the end of the episode. So let's just jump right in. Hooray! Jenny, thank you so much for being a masterclass guest on Studio Class. I am so thrilled. I have known you for a while and I am just always in awe of you as an artist, as you as a professional, and I'm really thrilled that you're here to share some of your thoughts with my studio class listeners. Would you please take a moment and kind of give us a, an introduction to you a little bit? Yeah, hi. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Jenny Bank. I am a mezzo-soprano. I was born in South Africa, and I grew up in upstate New York. And then I left for a long time and <laughs> went to Peabody where I met you and uh, lived in New York for a long time gigging. And then pandemic slash meeting someone, I moved back to my hometown in upstate New York. So that's where I live now. Yeah. And I have a job in tech as well as in singing. Yeah. And I have two dogs. Yay. And I talk <laughs> about them way too much. So. They'll probably make an appearance. Yes. yes. <laughs> I feel like singer dogs are a whole thing, right? They, they just get used to us making beautiful music. And so they're like, I will, I too will sing you the song of my people. <laughs> exactly. The one comes to sit under the piano. It's very sweet. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Jenny, one of the first things that I always do in masterclass episodes is ask my guests, what is an intention that you are currently keeping for yourself? Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about this because I don't necessarily think in terms of specific intentions yeah. just to, as who I am, but I mean, just in general, especially 
you know, pandemic and after and during, one of the big things that I'm constantly thinking of is just like enjoying music making. Yeah. I think that's been like, am I having fun with this? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. That's been a big thing, like um, in practice, in performance, in just every aspect of it. And I think that that goes away very easily when you're like gigging and you're, it's not that you don't enjoy it. Of course it's fun and you enjoy rehearsals and you, you know, it's yeah. all very fun, but enjoying every aspect of it is something that I've really been trying to do a lot more. Um, I love this. <laughs> and if I'm not enjoying it, maybe I'm not doing it as much. So, you know, on a day where practice is not feeling so great, maybe I don't practice. Yeah. Um, so I'm giving myself a lot more grace in that way. Um, yeah. Um, and that's definitely a change, a pandemic change, I would say, for me. You know what? I hear that 100%. I hope you're okay. I would love to ask you some more questions about that because <laughs> I'm wondering, do you, how do you notice when you're not enjoying it as much anymore? What are some of the things that you feel mm -hmm. like are the signs for you when you're not enjoying it? Well, I think, I think we all get a little bit like burned out by every right in general, mm -hmm. but especially like practicing when you're practicing every day, all the time. I mean, for me, if I'm not feeling great vocally, sometimes I'm going through the routine and not really having fun. Yeah. Kind of like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, you know, or if I'm, if I'm really tired, sometimes it won't feel as fun for me. Or just if I'm, you know, before pandemic, I was certainly, I think we were all a little bit busier with gigs and yeah. um, I would just be kind of going from gig to gig without the time to kind of take a step back and practice. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, learn the next thing, learn the next thing, um, which is, is fun in its own way. But um, so for me, it's just kind of, being in touch with like how I'm feeling each day um, yeah. and not forcing myself to practice if I don't feel like it's right today. Um, that. Yeah. And you know, I understand that's tough. That's tough, especially when you're young. Yeah. <laughs> because you're like, I must practice every day. Yeah. Um, and I did. And I think we all do. Right. Yeah. But now I'm kind of, I have more time. Mm -hmm. I'm home. I have a, you know, a second job now, as I think yeah. many of us do. Yeah. Um, and so just taking time to practice in a, in a more joyful way is really mm -hmm. nice. And just to enjoy it. Yeah. Like, hey, look at this cool thing that I can do. When do you have any sort of things that you do to kind of when you are going to practice? Because I think it's so important that you said there are times that I just let myself not practicing is not the thing right now. And I think we get better at understanding when you got to get in the room and do it. And when, when you're like, now it, it's not the, not, not the right time, but it will be the right time. And I need to focus on, on doing what I need to do then. But if you are on the side where you're going to keep doing it, it's not the time to take that time off, but you might need to kind of move the energy around a little bit into the enjoying it side. Are there any things that you do that you incorporate into your practice time into, or maybe not a little bit away yeah. and then come back, you know, whatever it is for you. I mean, sometimes it's some, as much as, you know, going for a walk or stopping and just working on, you know, learning the music instead of like thinking about my technique yeah. or, you know, doing a different part, you know, cause practicing is not just 
vocalizing, right? Yeah. But we have language and all these other things that I think we need to remember count as practice. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's as much as like putting on a fun song and singing along to the radio or radio. Who listens to radio anymore? I just <laughs> aged myself <laughs> singing along to, to, um, to uh, you know, a fun pop song or musical or, or going for a walk, right? And just kind of taking a break and then coming back to it. And, yeah. and you know, maybe later that day, maybe not that day. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely think finding music that I enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you're learning music for a gig, whether or not you like it. Yeah. And sometimes you don't have to, and you can just pick a song that you like and that you've been thinking of learning or that you used to do when you were younger, you know, so, or just kind of, you know, um, <laughs> sometimes I'll sit and like play music with my husband and yeah. you know, just enjoy something that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that helps me. I love that. <laughs> I had a voice teacher once ask, ask me, uh, do you ever just play in the practice room? And I think I looked at her like with like a, like a 404 file not found. <laughs> like I was like, I, was like, I don't know what that even means. <laughs> like, I was definitely not in that season of my, I was in the other season where it was like that, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, and so I, I think that we, I think pandemic has really helped us ask those questions for ourselves. And then also given us a lot of ways to experiment with what gives us joy and how can we approach that? Does it mean spending different time in the practice room? Does it mean not being in the practice room? What does it mean for you? And Jenny, I'm, I'm wondering, could you talk a little bit about how, how you've maybe gotten more aware of what kind of practice you need? That, that process as a musician, I think we get better at it over time and knowing how to be way more efficient with the time that we are in our practice studio. And you mentioned now that you have you know, you have a parallel career happening at the same time, you have to get super efficient with what you're doing. I'm wondering if there are, I don't know, even just like logistical things that, that came to you along the way where you said, oh, this has really helped me get more efficient, or I noticed I was doing this to kind of help with my practice time being, uh, I was able to internalize it better, those kinds of things. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a lot of like stages, as you as you said, we get better at that. Yeah, uh, you know, when you're really young and you're starting out and you're just following exactly the order of scales that your teacher gave you. Yeah. Um, so you do that for a while, and then you kind of have to find what works for you. And the other thing that's important with that is that stamina, as you get older, changes. Yeah. Um, a lot. Yeah. And especially if you aren't singing as frequently or you have other things going on or you're talking all day on meetings. Um, yeah. So there's that part of it. Um, yeah. But I now I schedule it. If, I, if I'm learning for a reason, like I have to get this thing memorized or learn, I'm going to schedule that into my day now. Yeah. And that hour, whether I feel like singing or working on something else, that hour's for practicing for music. Yeah. Um, so that has certainly with the parallel career that the time management of it yeah. is something that's been harder to to deal with. Um, because before pandemic, all I was doing was singing and it was like, I can just practice whenever I feel like it. <laughs> um, yeah. A big thing that I did, especially then, was 
I have never been a long practicer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it was very helpful breaking it up into smaller chunks and doing like 20 minutes five times a day instead of a two hour session. For yeah. me, that's always been just tough for me to focus for yeah. two hours on something. Some people can, and I'm, I'm always amazed by that. Um, so that mixing it up, um, what, what other things have I learned? I think a big thing that I learned, you know, in my early thirties when my voice started changing a bit was to think more about vocal health through my practicing Mm -hmm. and not push myself beyond feeling, you know, I think there's a tendency to, to push and and get it done, practice every day and all these things that you're taught. But at some point you got to make sure you're staying healthy and, and feeling, feeling healthy vocally. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's kind of changed from that to now it's just time management. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Getting in enough time to, to get things in your head and to memorize and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was wondering, would you talk a little bit more about how you how you brought your parallel careers into this point, right? How how did you start working in in your tech job as well as your music job? Music yeah. Life? Um, so I think that every or most working singers are looking for a side hustle yeah. that is flexible and yes. remote and can pay for groceries. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, that's a big thing. And pre pandemic, I was kind of lurking, looking at that for a while. And a friend of mine sent me this job posting and it was going to be just like a little, a little 10, 20 hour a week thing that I could flex up and down depending on if I was a gig or off a gig. And uh, I got the job. February 2020. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. so, um, yes. Very quickly, I was saying to my boss, um, hey, are there more hours? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept asking for more and more hours. And yeah. finally, uh, it's a very small tech startup. Yeah. And I was their only employee. And finally, they asked me to do full time. Yeah. And to come on as a salaried employee. And then my big thing was, well, what if I get a gig? Yeah. Uh, you know, when gigs, when singing comes back. Yeah. Right. We handle that. And they were like, you know, we want this to fit your life. And so I am very lucky to have yeah. a company that lets me go on gigs and work when I work and we're yeah. fully remote. Yeah. Um, and they're super flexible about schedule. And I'm now in a position where I am hiring part-time remote yeah. work for other people yeah. and so it's great because so many of the people who work for me are music or music adjacent yeah. <laughs> but, and my bosses who are you know not opera people at all mm-hmm. it's hilarious they have this like opera army empowering um, <laughs> their tech startup oh, um, I love this but opera singers are so you know and musicians and we have pianists we have a conductor you know there's a coach that's working with us we have all of these skills Absolutely. Uh, from having to manage music careers and, and we are very good at, at often very good at tech type things. It's yeah. similar in a lot of ways to music, um, yeah. time management, organization. We're good at all these things. So right. <laughs> um, it's been really fun to be able to give people flexible remote work that I was so desperate for. Right. And I think many of us were. Um, so that's kind of how that happened. So now I have two careers and I yes. uh, managing that is interesting. 
it was tough. The first time I did like a big gig back after mm-hmm. the pandemic while trying to be full time, there were some things that had to be pushed down the to-do list, yeah. but um, yeah, you know, you catch up later and, and I'm very lucky to have found yeah. this job. I really appreciate that because you're so right. I think so many of us are looking for that. And I talked to so many people about diversified income streams, also, you know, getting paid for the skills that you do have, like, you know, just there, there are so many of us that also maybe have that boogeyman in our head about getting paid to do something that isn't specifically music. Did you ever have that feeling, especially, you know, with any of these things, I feel like I'm, it, I think so many of us do. And were there anything, any particular things that helped you kind of process your feelings around that? A pandemic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Really did, uh, um, you know, yeah, I, I was always, I was like, oh, I, do I, if I take something outside of music, am I going to feel like, A, is it going to be soul sucking? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be mm-hmm. sad about it? Um, you know, but I tried, you know, all the things that everyone tries right teaching and I tried you know I had church gigs I had you know all those kind of side hustles that are still within music and it wasn't quite you know I did lots of church gigs yeah in school um and and after and that was helpful and lessons are okay but it's a very saturated market teaching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially I was living in New York City at the time uh-huh. um so there's lots of people who are yeah. teaching lessons there and it's not my favorite thing. I realized it yeah. just wasn't. I enjoy it sometimes, mm-hmm. but I was like, this is not like a side career for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was kind of unsure. You know, there's a stigma. There used to be a bit of a stigma around having another job. Mm-hmm. And I think luckily for many of us, the pandemic was like, everyone had to get something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so um, it kind of took the stigma away as it should. Yeah. And I think so, I mean, so, so many people have other jobs mm-hmm. um, and, and now I'm really proud of it because yeah. I, one of the things that I did not know as someone who's been a singer since I was 12 is that I had other skills. Yeah. Right. And I had no idea. I was like, oh, that's all I know how to do is sing. And, and <laughs> But in learning to have a singing career, you also learn how to manage your business and absolutely and we have to I think especially if if young singers are listening right like write those skills down when you're actually auditioning for a gig applying for uh young artist programs um when you're preparing for a gig all those things are skills that translate really well into into other fields and you know for most singers performing is not going to pay every bill mm-hmm. or maybe not get you savings mm-hmm. or allow you to come out of debt or buy a house. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was I, what made me process it. I <laughs> think absolutely. And, and I don't think it's a, I, I, the one that really gets me is that it's like some sort of failing for people. And I'm like, Oh no, no, no. It's like, this is part of this career is that early on in this there is not a lot of wealth building that's happening here at all. And that is the, that is the polite way of saying that. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> like, uh, so that 
this is not a failing. If you would like to pursue this, these are some facts about this field. And, and there are lots of ways that you can still have this in your life. Uh, so many of us don't have necessarily like a ton of family resources coming into this thing. That is not everybody who's working in the field. Sometimes that is the other, another phrase that gets bandied about that you can only be in music if you have a trust fund or something like that. And it's like, that's not the case, but let's look at what this actually requires. There's not a ton of money. So if you're needing to pay your bills, let's look at all of the skills that you have, have your different income streams and make it happen. You know, that's like, don't we don't have to be afraid of that and we can also be part of breaking down that stigma that says oh yeah I want you to be <laughs> making money in all the ways that you can like okay. go ahead <laughs> like, <laughs> it's amazing um well a couple of thoughts that I have about that the one is it's very interesting when you're in meetings with people who aren't musicians or aren't performers and you think to yourself wow this person could really take an improv class. <laughs> like, oh, this, this presentation could really use a performer to kind of kick it up a notch. So our skills are very translatable. Yes. Um, I really, I, I, whenever I talk to younger singers now, one of the big things is try not to go into debt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's going to make everything harder. And I don't, I don't, you know, I think sometimes you have to, and it's inevitable, yeah. but it's, if you can avoid getting into too much deep debt, it's going to be easier to have a career it's, Yeah, um, when you're not as financially stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's different when you are young and you don't really think as much about retirement <laughs> or your future. Yeah. And yeah. then there comes a point where, you know, okay, maybe I need to get a Roth IRA and yeah. maybe <laughs> start putting money into that and, and think about what happens down the line. And for me, that involved more financial security um, yeah. with, a new, with this job. Um, it's also nice because it got me to a point where maybe I don't have to take every single gig yeah. that I want to take. And I can, that brings it back to the enjoyment and joy part of singing. Yeah. Yes. Like if I'm not going to enjoy this gig, maybe I don't need to take it now because I'm not as desperate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that makes us overall more in alignment with our creative selves. We can be our most artistic and creative selves in the gigs that we do take because we know that we want to be there, right? That yeah, that's yeah. something that really that really speaks to us. We can be our best selves, honestly. <laughs> like, and that and that uh, financial insecurity is such a panic driver in so many things, right? That just the ways that we can release ourselves from that and feel, I just want more people to feel confident giving themselves opportunities for financial security while pursuing their artistic goals as well. That I, I just always want to have those conversations and make people realize that it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's not something that I don't, I mean, I think I maybe had a tax class in school. I mean, we, yeah. they don't, we don't really talk about this much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was in school, it wasn't something discussed too much. And it's, you know, it's really, I understand that it's a very privileged position to be in, to be able to talk about savings and and future and money in that way. Um, But until getting this other job, that wasn't something that I thought about much. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. A segue a little bit from the school part is I'm 
I, I love asking people, what's a skill that you love to teach? And this can be a technical skill when it comes to the voice, or it can be really anything. These are just like, what's a skill that you love to teach other people? Hey there, divas. Real quick thing before we get back to the rest of this episode. Do you love studio class? You can support it now by joining the Sybaritic Camerata on Patreon. It's just at patreon.com slash mezzoenen, M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. For $10 a month, you can join the listening circle where you get access to bonus episodes, you can make listener requests, and for $20 a month, you can become a Masterclass Scholar. Do you ever wish you could ask our Masterclass episode guests a question? Here's your chance. As a Masterclass Scholar, you're invited to the recording of the Masterclass episodes, and you get to ask your questions during an exclusive Q&A after the taping. So come on over, check it out, patreon.com slash mezzoenen. And now we're back to the episode. Hmm. You know, unfortunately, I don't get a ton of opportunity these days to teach other people. Um, But the big thing that I, when I was doing more teaching, the big thing that I love is, you know, and I'm a character singer, I'm a mezzo, I sing a lot of funny roles, right? So my big thing is always like character. Yes. So the most fun for me was always like finding more character in everything. And I think, again, there's a tendency along with the perfect practicing and the perfect um student and all these things to try to make every note perfect and of course we want that's not taking away from technique it's not taking away from you know the skill set and the knowledge and the study but for me I always want to find more character and fun vocal colors um, and what I can do and sometimes for me it's making the note really ugly or you know really funny and I think that's something that musical theater artists do really well. Yeah. I think um, opera singers can take a note from that a lot. <laughs> yes. Like, yes, of course it has to be beautiful. You have to have a beautiful line. You know, there's all those things that, have, of, yes. But especially if you're a character singer or yeah. if you're angry or you're crying or you're, you know, scared, right? How can we use our technique and our, and make that clearer in the notes? So that's always something that I love working on yeah. with people. And that's the really fun for me. Yeah. I'll sit with one note and sing it in all these weird ways. Yes. You know, sometimes scaring my dogs. <laughs> I have a great video of me trying to sing with one note, you know, in all these silly ways. And my dogs come <laughs> like, big dog melt, head tilt. Like, what are you doing? Jody, I feel like you would appreciate this. As mezzos, I feel like we, we yes, we get to sing character roles, but also we are always singing sad things, like just constantly all the saddest, like elegies forever and ever. Like, so, but I, I think that being able to bring humor to the stage is such a special skill. And I was wondering, would you talk a little bit about like getting into, into humor, get it, bringing, bringing humor, comedy, like funny sounds, anything funny, self to the stage a little bit more because I think that maybe singers hold themselves back when we're taught in the classical tradition a little bit more again we can be a little boring when it comes to like humor so I I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on bringing more comedy to yourself as a performer yeah I mean 
for me, it's always come quite naturally. <clears throat> like I've always just liked to be funny. Uh, and I'm sure some, I'm sure there's some psychological stuff that we can get, you know, sure we can dig into that. that in childhood, you know, no. Um, but I do, you know, I do. I just, I like being funny. I like a joke. I like a pun. I enjoy humor. And I think opera is doom and gloom. And if you don't have those light moments, yes. you know, what, if you don't have, um, I mean, one of the first roles I did was um, Frugula in Il Tabaro. Yeah. Um, and it's this really dark opera. <laughs> like it's really sad, murder, yeah. gloom, so sad. But then you have this funny character talking about her cat, and, <laughs> on, and it's this silly moment. And it's like, well, why? Yeah. Why do you need that? Yeah. And it's because it sets up all the doom and gloom to be even sadder and even more heartbreaking. And people need that moment of levity. And so for me, and it's 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 funny because this is actually something. It all, I guess, is all coming back to joy for me because as I get older, I I love doing some of those sad characters. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing is just making someone laugh. Yes, taking a moment in the middle of a pandemic to laugh, or in the middle of a hard day to laugh, I think is more important than ever. I think it's can be just as important as a good cathartic cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it, it's always really funny. And and there's little I won't do for a laugh. Um, <laughs> the other nice thing is if you have really good comic timing, yeah. in general, your tragic timing is also really good, right? If you know how to manipulate time and get people to laugh, getting people to cry feels easy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So so I've always loved that skill. Um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I enjoy it. I think just, and it's fun for you. It's on stage too, right? Yeah. yeah. It's fun for me, it's fun for an audience. I, like I, I mean, I love that feeling. I think that's also, you know, why we're performers is we love the feeling of bringing an audience through, you know, and whatever that emotion that we're, we're trying to evoke when the payoff happens and they laugh or they cry or, and you can tell that it's happening. Oh, is there anything better? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And being like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> All that work, you know, and you rehearse and you rehearse for weeks. And, you know, the first rehearsal, it's funny. The second rehearsal, you make it funnier. By the 20th rehearsal, no one in the room's laughing anymore. Yeah. Right. And you're like, oh, gosh. And then you go through tech and you're doing all this, re- you know. Yes. And then you suddenly get an audience. Yeah. And when they do laugh at all those things that you remembered were funny, it's just the best. It's the right. Best. <laughs> Oh, such a good payoff. I think, oh, so much fun. So another, oh, go ahead, go ahead. If, you know, if you're someone who is like singing a lot of really beautiful arias, find something funny and add it to your rep. Yeah. Like whether it's a musical theater piece or like just have a funny, good comic piece in your repertoire. Yes. And also I think thinking about, as you mentioned, Inside of what you're doing, are there moments of levity that help to to offset the moments of tragedy that that you are singing about, right? That if you can find that that feeling even in one piece, it makes our characters so much richer, so much deeper, so much more interesting to watch and hear. (laughs) Yes. Even if and even if you think this is the saddest song ever. Yeah. 
maybe there's a moment in that song where you can look at it a different way. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it's not funny, haha, ha, rolling on the floor, laugh, <laughs> but maybe it's kind of ironic or sardonic yeah. or you know, like it's a little bit moment of, of humor or a pun or an edge to it or something that that kind of you know try as as you're practicing that's a fun thing about practicing when you're making all these sounds try a different intention behind it yeah um, and sometimes humor can work even in those really sad sad pieces yeah and yeah. I think that's it that's what you were saying about practicing practice a different intention behind it that is the work when you get into the room building out a better character it goes beyond notes and rhythms mm -hmm. and they know that we all say that but then that's the kind of stuff that I love to have these conversations about. What is it that we do that goes beyond notes and rhythms? How do we practice that in that space together? You know, and what you're saying is picking a new intention. Am I also, when you were saying, can I make this funny with the sound or can I make this funny with my face or with my body? Right. You were picking so many different levels to work on or ask yourself whether or not that's the level that the humor comes through in and the the humor or the the pain or whatever you put whatever emotion but I love that you isolated it that way so that we can think about that while practicing is what are the different levels that I can play with this so one of my favorite things as a viewer of art is when people surprise me with yes. those things like I watched it was a few years ago now I got to sit in on a ton of auditions and you hear a lot of the same songs over and over mm -hmm. and over and over. And then someone will come in once in a while and just do a word or a phrase in a totally different way that you haven't seen. And yeah. you're like, oh, this person is thinking this, thinking mm -hmm. about, about this. This is intentional. And they've thought this through and I love it. And, it, and, and maybe it's not what I would do, yeah. but I love being surprised. Yes. Right. And I think we're craving that as audience members too, is why am I going to art right now? And it's because I want that. I want to, I want to be surprised, but I also want to interact with these emotions. And the more that you can get me out of thinking like the straightforward thing and then make me bump into something surprising, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is really impactful. This is, this is art at the next level. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jenny, as we think about our careers, one of the things that I get kind of, you know, just obsessed with is breaking stuff down into its smallest components so that I don't I don't feel too overwhelmed by all the things that there are to do, you know, in our in our lives. And so I think about this as micro actions. What's a micro action that I can do today that helps me feel like I'm moving my career forward? And I was wondering if you would share a micro action that you feel like has helped you kind of just on the career side of things. What's something when you really break it down into a smaller part, you're like, oh yeah, I do that consistently. And it makes me feel like I'm moving forward. Yeah, I was, I don't know. Hmm. Um, what do I do consistently? I don't know. I think I used to do more things than I do now. Um, <laughs> That's a perfect answer. <laughs> I, I think I think some of that is time. Some, but I think I think 
for me, and this might sound like it's not necessarily moving my career forward, but I think for me, and I don't even think it's a micro action uh, now that no, I say no, it. No, you're okay. <laughs> I think for me, one of the things was I have always listened to other music. Yeah. And while that doesn't necessarily move my career forward at all, for me, it's kind of helped. I don't know. I think maybe it's helped me find those other colors in my voice and all those kind of things. So I don't know if it's a a micro action or just a personality trait because I can't listen to only classical singing all the time. But I think just listening to other people create and doing a, I do a lot of listening, a lot to, to opera, to other people, to, you know, other genres, to even now a lot of podcasts and, and spoken you know, spoken word stuff, like just listening for me. I always loved, <laughs> I always loved that first rehearsal, that sing through. Yeah. Everyone else doing more covering, like listening to what, you know, you study the same thing going into the rehearsal, like listening to what the other people were doing, what vocal colors they were using. For me, that's always been something. I don't know whether that moved my career in any way. Absolutely. I it would does. imagine it does in a little bit. Like I've always, I've always been a good listener. Yes. I, I, I think that listening is a sacred act. So yes, like I think that listen, and also you are perceiving, you're bringing into your consciousness, what other, what other artists, what other people are doing, what they're putting out into the world. And I think absolutely. And then all of the takeaways that you mentioned, those are, those are huge, right? That you're listening, you're listening, not only to fill up your creative cup, right? That you've got all these different ideas that you're like, oh, that's great, right? Like, wow, bringing, bringing that in. But then you were also listening for different timbres. Oh, maybe that's a sound that I can make. If it's a different genre, can I use the same thing? And does that sound like the aesthetic that we make over here? I don't know. Let's try it. Like yeah. all of that is huge, right? And without that, it's even more isolating. So I, I think that's such a beautiful way of saying like, that you're in and of a musical world and you want to like be part of that. (laughs) Okay. Well, good. Well then I'll, I'll stick with it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Right. Well, and I think, yeah, because because what you're saying also about listening when you're taking in all of those ideas, it's helping you make even more interesting choices vocally, you know, like all of those things. And when we, when we listen, especially widely, I think that's such an important part of what you're saying Mm -hmm. is that it reminds us that there's so many things that we could make so many choices, right? We're not just like, oh, here's this little box that you have to stay in. (laughs) I've never been a fan of the little box. No. (laughs) Whenever I've tried to fit into that little box, it's not been successful for me. We all have to make our own because it's just, I mean, it's so funny to me that like, I think that's the work of a, of an artist, right? Is that you basically build your own box and then you're like, this is what I do. And yet the training up to that is all about fitting is like so often led to believe fit in this particular box rather than here's a whole bunch of tools to make sounds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the box, the fitting in a box thing is tough, and it takes yes. a while when you get out of the school and young artist world to 
build your own box or find whatever yeah. shape you need. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, I think that's something that is hopefully improving for younger singers. Uh, when I was starting, it was very much still you're in your, you're singing your Fock or you're in your box and you're wearing this outfit and you're doing this and you know, mm-hmm. that is going away and hopefully it's, God, it, it should go away. Cause yeah. it's, not, it's not being an art. That's not good for anyone. Um, so it, that takes a while though, to kind of retrain yourself to not be like, okay, well, all these things mean I can only do these things. No, all these things are tools to let you do more. Yeah. Um, so you have your basic technique, but now you can use it to kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of that is being able to m- match up with creative collaborators, right? I have mm-hmm. these tools to realize this vision that you have. Should we work together? You know, rather than like, please accept me. I I did all <laughs> the right things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Jenny, are there any things right now that you're looking forward to repertoire wise or project wise where it feels like you're you're getting to, I don't know, sing things that you love, sing things that bring you joy? Yeah, um, I am. So right before uh, the pandemic started, um, or I guess it already started right before it kind of hit home for all of us. uh, I was in Orlando about a week into rehearsals for uh, daughter of the regiment and oh about a weekend, you know and we had done a few we got through I think act one into act two a little maybe and then all of a sudden we heard oh this place is shutting down and then mm-hmm. the next one and then the next one and then it was like well what are we doing uh-huh. and they sent us all home and the wonderful company at Opera Orlando has gotten all of us back together wow so I'm pretty sure the entire group or most of the group that were there uh, a few years ago are coming yeah. back this spring and and restarting oh, that's um, great. which is like you know they were like yeah we'll get back you know they everyone we'll we'll do it again we'll do it in the yeah. future you know when we thought it was going to be a month long thing yeah. or, you know, but to years later now have us all come back is impressive and and so kind so yeah. i'm excited to do that it feels like this thing that we just left floating yeah. and all these jokes that haven't been you know, fully formed. And so I'm super excited to get back to that. Um, and also be somewhere warmer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, you joy in singing. I think for me these days, one of the big things is cool locations. Yeah. Um, like my last gig, I got to go to Alaska. Awesome. Really or, um, you know, I like, I like a beach. So anytime yes. I get to somewhere warm, uh, makes me very happy. I feel you on that, honey. <laughs> That's so cool. Are there any other, uh, in the, you could even think like long-term too, if there's anything project-wise where you're like, Ooh, I, I really want to do that. Like I want, I want somebody to call me for this. Oh, there's so many. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> and so I'm super into like, I guess what we call unconventional casting now. Yeah. And so I really, there's so many roles that I want to try that I never thought would necessarily be a part of my repertoire. Um, I re- Over the couple summers ago, I got to sing like a shortened version of uh, a bass role. And that wow. was super fun. And I was like, hey, I should do more of this. This is really fun. Yeah. Um, so if anyone wants to do some 
fun casting they should definitely call me yes uh, and you know I have a very good friend of mine is a director and we always talk about all the shows we want to do together uh, yes you know um I think one of my favorite roles ever is Mrs. Lovett yes and anytime <laughs> anyone wants to do Sondheim I'm there um that's great because it's like you get to do be talk about being the comic relief in a show yeah right <laughs> you're like no I would like I will I will pay money to get on a plane wherever you go for that show I will I would like to be in that audience yes thank you so like, let's <laughs> let's put that out into the universe and uh you know directors and and presenters out there please make my dreams come true <laughs> it's like so I've done it a couple times now and it oh it's always just so fun yeah. um so yeah I'd love to do more of that kind of stuff um yeah, at this point, anything I'm, um, you know, anything that's fun. I'd like to do a lot of not more not operatic singing. Yeah. Um, I used to do a lot when I was younger, and then I kind of got into, got busy with opera, and now yeah. I'm kind of having time to think about that more. Um, so, trying to do some more of that, just in just for fun. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. Jenny, one of the through lines, as you mentioned for our conversation is just about, you know, finding joy mm-hmm. and fun in what we're doing. And as, as you know, I, I think that curiosity is a superpower. And I also think that curiosity helps us find our joy and our fun, right? Asking the questions so that we, that we go like, what, what do I really want here? <laughs> like, what, what do I find fun? <laughs> like, helps us to kind of not get to tunnel vision about like, well, I'm just working, I'm staying busy, I'm doing the thing and asking, am I having fun? Do I enjoy this? What would I enjoy? What are some things that I might not have thought of yet? And I, I'm wondering, would you tell us something that you are curious about? Gosh, I'm curious about, I'm one of those people that's curious about everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so many of us are artists. Yeah. Like, yeah, tell me all the things. You know, like, like I don't watch a TV show without IMDb open. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm that person. So, um, you know, lately I've been learning so much in my other job. So a lot of my curiosities lately have been learning more about kind of the tech world and, yeah. and things like that. Um, but for me, both at in singing and in my tech job, for me and in practicing and, you know, all the things we talked about, um, for me, a lot of my curiosity comes to why are people doing what they're doing and, and the psychology behind it, yeah. whether it's, you know, people in tech and the work that I'm doing there or why the character is making this decision or why am I making this decision (laughs) or, um, you know, why is a politician making this decision? You know, for me, I'm very interested in that. So, um, at one point I thought about going back to school and, and getting a psychology degree, but I could see that um, for sure. a lot of school (laughs) at this point we'll see maybe one day just keep digging into it with your characters (laughs) yeah well that's 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 part of the fun right Right? why why are we telling a story and then for me it's also kind of now am I the right person to be telling this story what other stories can we be telling um you know who especially an opera can be very um old-fashioned so you know like what new stories can we be telling um yeah yeah 
I think that's so great for us to ask ourselves, what new stories are we telling? Are, if we're telling the same story that so many people have heard, are we telling it in a way that is relevant to us now or useful or um, compelling? You know, because there's so many ways to go about it that that I, I love that intentionality. That's what I want to see is like, if you are going to tell a story that a lot of us have heard before, like, why? What are we doing here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. also, could we, t- could we tell a different story? Like it's available. Yeah. We got, we got yeah. so many stories. <laughs> like, we could make we're telling the same story. Like, why are we telling it? Who is telling it? Can someone different tell it? Yeah. Can we um, frame it differently? Can we use our vocal colors that we've established that we're now trying new things? Yeah. Can we use that to tell it differently? Can we find different intention behind it through humor or other, you know, can we just, you know, can we you know, shine a different light on this top part of the story, um, you know, using what we know now in, in the modern world? And then if not, why are we doing it? Yeah. Why yeah. are we telling the story the same way it's been told? Maybe there's someone else or something else that we should talk about or, or be focused on. So. And I think having the courage to ask those questions with the people that you're working with all the time is part of is part of the work. You know, we just show up and we're like, hey, let's have a conversation. <laughs> yes, I love, I love when a director is really open to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, a few years ago, I did a marriage of Figaro with an amazing director, Shauna Lucy. And she did the ending in a way that I had never, I have done that show so many times. Yeah. She staged the ending in a way that was, it just, the whole room kind of was like, none of us have ever done it this way yeah and it was kind of like feminist and it was exciting and it was like wow I've done this Mozart opera so many so many so many times and it's always been done the same way and you all go into it kind of expecting the same thing and she turned it on its edge and it was like one of the coolest experiences that I've had that's incredible yeah oh I love when oh when you get to work with people like that, that's so incredible. Yes. <laughs> Just so Sorry. good. Sorry, my dogs are really loud right now. I hope that I, I can't hear them, but I'm sure you can hear okay. my dog. So we're having like, no, it's dog time. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny, I have to ask you because we were talking about this and it's so thrilling to hear somebody say it outright, which is this feeling of if you're not working, like mm. what's happening, what's going through your mind. And you said this so perfectly. I was wondering if you could just kind of talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. So it's a, it's a weird mind game because, you know, I, for sure I'm working less than I was before the pandemic. And it's kind of, I catch myself being like, well, am I still a singer? Mm. And, and it's like, yes, I am. And I'm, yeah. I am still working and I'm still doing stuff. It's just not as much. Mm-hmm. And it's not my only thing now. So I have to, it's a real mind game that we, that can kind of really mess us up to be like, you know, I am not working and therefore I'm not a singer. No, even if you're not working, you're a singer, you know how to sing. Mm-hmm. You can get a, a job next week. You don't know what's yeah. going to come in. Um, and before you get to that point, when I was younger, I would say, when I'm a singer, one day when I'm, <laughs> I'm a singer, and I had someone sit me down once and be like, you know, you're getting paid to sing like <laughs> regularly. You are a singer. Um, you have, you know, you work on singing all the time. You're being paid to sing. Like 
you're a professional singer. You and are then, a professional singer. Yes. <laughs> between that and then, then a few years later, it was like, well, maybe I'm not working as much. Am I? Am I a singer still? You know, it's like we're never satisfied, and yeah. you have to. It's very tough, and I, I cannot say I am always very good at this, but not singing, singing, working, being paid to work, how much you're paid, those are not the factors that make someone a musician or an artist. Yeah. I mean, isn't that funny? We let some like kind of covert metrics, I always call them like covert metrics, where it's like, oh, oh, I'll be really doing it when this thing is happening at this (laughs) level. And you're like, that's a goal, honey. That's not the... Just go ahead and frame it as a goal for yourself rather than I'm, it's not real until this is happening, right? That's really tough. And that was always really tough for me. I I lean towards being a bit of a perfectionist. And (laughs) so breaking out of that box that we were talking about and, you know, having things that are like, okay, this is a goal. And, or, you know, but it was also a goal five years ago to get a single gig ever. You know, so goals change and goals adjust at different times in your life. That's another thing I had to kind of think about a lot. Like now that I'm working this parallel career, my goals had to change and I had to be okay with that. And, and they did. And my idea of success has changed. Um, And that's tough. That's changed. And I have to remember that those things change at different stages in my life and will continue to, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not always good at it. There are moments where I'm like, ah, I'm not a singer. <laughs> and then I'll like start singing and my husband will be like, I mean, you're still a singer. Like, <laughs> pretty sure you're always going to be a singer. <laughs> Isn't it great when people yeah. in our lives can reflect that back to us and you're like, thank you. I needed that. <laughs> It is just not my entire identity now. And, and that is different. And I highly recommend, like, I wish I had learned that younger. Uh, So if anyone's younger and listening to this, like find other things, I was not good at that. And singing was my whole life from age, you know, 12 when I started voice lessons. And I wish I had found other interests as well, a little bit more. I think that's so, so helpful. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah, anytime. Jenny, where can the people find you on the interwebs? Where would you like them to find out more about what you're doing, how they can kind of like see you in person if you're ever near them, all of that good stuff? Yeah, I'm on all the things. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I am Jenny underscore bank on Instagram. And that's where I post more than anywhere else. Um, Also, my dogs are on there. So if you cute dogs, they are the Harley and Leo on Instagram. Um, highly, highly recommend. <laughs> they're, they're, I might be biased, but they're very cute. Um, so that is really, these days, it's a lot of like cooking and dogs um, and plants. Yes. Um, but you also, you know, people also got to see Alaska and some really cool stuff there. So that's kind of my favorite medium. Um, and then I have a website, JennyBank.com. I, I try to keep up to date as far as gigs coming up and I, I also try to cross post on Facebook <laughs> I try TikTok I, I, it makes me feel old <laughs> but I'm there I, I I'm there doing it but you know uh, I feel you I 
although TikTok is very addictive. It's like, it's just yeah. like, so I was like, I, I have to watch out time management reasons. I'm never going to make it to this performance if I just like, right. <laughs> Jenny, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and for letting me share this with our studio class listeners. And I, like I said, when we first started, I just think the world of you and I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom, your grace, your, your inner thoughts with all of us about how we can you know, be, be our best selves in this field. So I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for asking such insightful, thought-provoking questions. I appreciate it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hey, before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there at Mezzoinen. That's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends. Or even strangers, really. So, with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening!